Ano ba naman? Sobrang like, all alone naturally ako ngayon na. Ah. <laughs> I'm back again after so long. As in like, it's been so long that Reverend Ranger is now Duke Ortega. <laughs> that long, apparently. <laughs> Man. So like, I'm supposed to do an opening. A conversation lang with sila Linus. Pero, wala eh. Nobody, everybody's busy or, every, or may, uh, they're not feeling well today. So it's just me manning the, the booth alone. Just trying out my new setup, by the way. This is not the same setup that I used in our interview later with Stan. But this is just like something I, I kind of want to try out and uh, see how it fares. But anyway, I just... Suddenly remembered lang like, like this whole being alone on the show right now kind of gave me some thought. Now, I remember that podcasting felt a little more challenging at the time. The barrier of entry was really ex- was kind of expensive. No, it's I mean, um, what a condenser mic was already out of my budget range at the time. So like, kaya you would go back to the old episodes and hear, uh, sobrang crappy phone. Na recording and I didn't know how to properly use noise reduction at the time, so that's why the original pilot was so bad. It was so bad until I figured out that I'm supposed to only get a sample of the noise. By the way, so that's a thing. But anyway, I just remembered lang na the challenges of having a podcast. But nowadays, sobrang dali lang eh. I, I mean. You don't have to do much. Eh? Um, I mean, not necessarily do much, but you just have to have a pro- proper equipment, like a decent microphone. Um, an iPhone would do nowadays. Even a, Actually, even an Android phone would do as well. If you're just going to be in the same room, just record with that. Use like an app, a, rec- a sound memo app, and then record and then edit from there afterwards. So, kadali. Apparently, it's super dali. I mean... It was the the challenge really was like um because of lack of physical cha- of the physical uh space and voice IP back then was a little different like uh Skype was not I don't remember Skype being super or maybe because uh it's not super clear but also I think it's because of the quality of the microphones that we used I used to have have like an old Logitech headset na my call center microphone and of course those things are not going to be 100% clear and now you can get a condenser mic for like what 800 1200 pesos na sa Lazada sa Shopee and it's kind of like parang you can see na the difference or how long we've gone in terms of sound quality nowadays and that's a great thing you pair it with Zoom. People have Zoom nowadays, and even the option na mawala yung noise yung noise reductions also a lot easier now. Discord, punta ka sa Discord, di ba? May crisp sa, sa settings. Sobrang dali na to get like really good clear recordings now, and that's kind of a good thing. I think like the only dispa- the only problem lang is when you're doing calls on Android. Pansin mo lang to. I'm sure a lot of us listening right now also have a podcast of our own, or we go on Discord a lot. And you kind of notice na when you're on Android, tunog lata, and that's not a <laughs> that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing to have, especially like yung Anchor app. 
uh, that's one thing I also wanted to use. The Anchor app is kind of like um, supposed to make it easier to record. But um, you notice that the, there, there's going to be those uh, issues. This is beyond um, this is beyond um, our capabilities right now. And I hope that Android fixes that already. I don't know with iPhone. Ang tagal lang hindi ko nag iPhone. The last time I had one was what, what 2018, and it, I had to sell it because it was a 16 gig, and it was already eating up my memory a lot. Man, things are really crazy right now. There's so many, you know. It's so many things happening now that you kind of feel like you want to do a lot of things, but at the same time, um, there's I guess there's like that those weird barrier of entries. I mean, nowadays it's easier. We all have faster internet now, so the world's better connected. Um, a decent plan is cheaper than ever before to the point now that's why we have so many podcasts. We have so many streamers. Uh, I'm on Twitch, by the way, twitch.tv slash jaggies92. Pero that's just me. I'm good at it. I mean, it's it's fun. It's a fun time to be a creative, to lend your voice to the world. No matter how many people you are going to listen to your contact, it still feels uh, surprising. Especially like um, people that I know in real life would turn out and say, oh, I saw you. I heard you. And it's a fun feeling it's a it's a total fun feeling i'm sure a lot of people listening that are also content creators know that feeling very well that kahit maliit ka kahit pang ilan lang yung manonood magikinig sa but that but those few people who would reach out to you and tell you i listen to you i like your content it's a very affirming way so sorry for the sappiness just a few minutes of rambling. And without further ado, Linus, hit that intro. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Stan C, everyone. Hey, thanks, Jag. And thank you, Kayfabe Cafe, for having me on. Really happy to do this. Uh, I've been pumped since you hit me up and told me that oh, uh, you wanted to do an episode together. So uh, th- this is a real treat for me to be a guest once in a while. I'm not sure if the WWE thing is still recent at this point because it's been uh, a year since uh, oh, the Filipino broadcast debuted. Oh, man. I just re- realized it because I, like, I think it's it just felt like 
it's been I didn't realize it's been a year already or sometimes like ang bilis ng panahon ng for being a year you know this like how time flies less so fast recently right <laughs> yeah I mean uh, with the pandemic the times like a flat circle or whatever it is they say so it's like uh, the passage of time has become irrelevant but yeah uh, you know now that you mention it uh, the year has flown by even even kami kami ni Carlo Pamintuan when you know when it hit us now oh wow we've been at this job for a year uh, it didn't really feel like it but at the same time it also felt like it. Mm-mm. I mean, I, if I may ask, like, how did how were you approached uh, regarding uh, how did WWE approach you regarding uh, joining the uh, joining the broadcast team? Yeah, so uh, I I love telling this story because uh, every uh, every time I tell it, the people who are on the receiving end can barely believe that it's true. But it starts with the Vice documentary on the late great China. Uh, Joni Lauder. So I was watching her documentary, and there was a scene in that Vice documentary where China and her—I uh, I think it was her manager at the time, but her team—they were trying to get into WWE headquarters in Stanford. So the camera shows Yung uh, di China actually entering the door, and you know the actual door. And I swear to God, I kid you not. Right at that moment, I get a text from a Stanford number in the U.S. Uh, and that number. Uh, when I checked the message, uh, it it read, "Hey, uh, you know, this is so and so from WWE. We got your number from so and so. Would you be interested in trying out for uh, the Filipino broadcast team?" And uh, the story behind that, naman, is WWE has had broadcast partners here in the Philippines for decades, right? <laughs> uh, you know, from the days of uh, Solar to uh, the current setup with Sina Signal and TapGo. And apparently, uh, what was explained to me was. Um, somebody from both Signal and Tap was nice enough uh, to recommend me uh, when they were looking for Filipino broadcasters, and it was part of the expansion program talaga to really find a way to localize WWE content uh, here in Southeast Asia. So now naning ane bahasa in Indonesia, then they went with Tagalog here in the Philippines, and then yun uh, they submitted um, several names, my uh, my my name and Carlos' name being among them, and then after that I did a quick interview on on Google Meet. And then they uh, made me do an audition. So they sent me a clip of uh, an episode of Raw and an episode of SmackDown. Not the entire thing. I like just one promo and the finishing sequence of a match. Thunderdome era, pato. Mm-mm. And I had to uh, I had to commentate um, at that point solo. So I had to do play by play. And then not long after that, uh, I um, our family uh, basically buried our Lola because she'd passed away. And we attended virtually lang via Zoom because she's in the US. And about a day or two after, like one of the worst days of my life, bigla na lang tumawag yung boss uh, or, or the executive who would become my boss to give me the news that I'd gotten hired. So yon, um, that's the basic story of how I ended up working for the WWE. Mm. So like... Sorry, I'm just like figuring out how to follow up with that. That's there's so many things to process with that story, to be honest. But um, have you ever like um like where like where do you draw your inspirations from? Uh, being a commentator, you've been doing this for actually years, even like um in the olden days of like PWR. Remember, like the first time I heard you do play uh do commentary was uh was PWR live uh way way back in MCS. Um. What 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 are your ins? Who are your inspirations? 
Yeah, props to you for being able to identify the exact year and the venue where I first did uh, wrestling commentary. Um, but in terms of inspiration, uh, there, there's always Moro Ranallo. Like uh, mm-hmm. I, I will always point to Moro and Michael Cole as my favorite commentators. But because my role is different here, I'm not the uh, the play-by-play guy. I'm the color guy. Um, I look at someone like Pat McAfee, mm. uh, or someone like um, Peak JBL on commentary. Or even Taz at his peak uh, when it was him and Michael Cole doing SmackDown in the early 2000s. So those are some of my influences. Um, when it comes to like the wrestling knowledge, uh, I, I get that then from Chris Charlton from New Japan. Mm. Um, I am a huge fan of how he really digs deep into wrestling history and he explains the objective of cer- certain moves, the etymology of certain names. So that I get from Chris Charlton. Uh, from Mauro Naman, I get the references to hip hop and to music and the emotion with which he, he calls the shows. And then from Pat McAfee is the energy, like really making the audience feel like they're in the arena with you even though they're at home and I'm at home as well because I just also broadcast from home. So um, that energy, that infectiousness that Pat McAfee brings to the broadcast booth, that's what I try to channel. Mm. And if I may ask, like, what, what do you think um, throughout your time broadcasting uh, for WWE, what, was your be- what do you think is your best line that you've ever pulled? Uh, mm. uh, that's, that's a good question. Um, one of my favorite lines, uh, and I'm not sure if people would, would agree that it's like the best line, but one of my favorite lines was during the Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes Hell in a Cell match, where I think it was Cody Rhodes who went through a table that was set up in the corner. And then my instant reaction was, Wasak na wasak yung mesa, parang puso ni Nasty Mac. Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry. I love how that, I love how you were able to get that on the fly. I, I, I I honestly am uh like I'm I'm from um I don't know if you know this I was practicing uh commentary on my own as well um on my Twitch channel uh so I would play WWE 2K22 I would put the matches together and then I would call it on the spot <laughs> and it and your job is tough man <laughs> if I if I'm having trouble doing it trying to channel uh trying to be very smart very uh on the fly and trying to call the right moves especially I'm going to do like color and play by play it's very very difficult <laughs> oh so like, here up no and especially what you're trying to do now you're doing it solo and I'm gonna tell you this uh you're actually doing it right when you practice using the video games and you do it on your own like you you kill the commentary audio um that's that's actually how we practice uh when I uh, attend training for sports casting under some of my mentors like uh, Noel Zarate and Jay De La Cruz, both of whom uh, cover local sports. One of the ways that they to practice is to put NBA 2K in there and then just put the commentary volume all the way to zero and then just call the game as the computer simulates it. So that's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Thank you, thank you for that. I was actually because it's a it's a fun challenge to be honest and. Um, and it's also like added challenge, lang kasi I'm actually doing the movements as well. So oh no, 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 no. don't don't do that. Let the computer <laughs> take care of everything. I know. And then just call the matches. Cause uh, when you're doing commentary, it's really hard to multitask. And yeah. like I know now, we're the generation that tries to you know multitask. Like let's say, uh, I, I'm sure you know this from your days as a student DJ at Mellow. Now you're 
focusing on the music, but I'm sure you're also checking your phone, you're checking Twitter, seeing what's going on, diba? You're talking to like whoever's entering through the door. We're that generation that tries to really multitask. But for me, when I put on that headset and I'm calling a match or I'm calling a basketball game, wala, I can't, I can't multitask talaga because it takes away from you being in the moment and selfishly from you trying to be the best that you can be at your job. Hmm, that's uh, that's a that's actually very sound advice to be honest. I, I guess like in my perspective, lang I was thinking of doing uh, of doing everything on the like it's a, that's that's a challenge just being a Twitch streamer. On top of like that, I'm also like reading chat, making uh, doing like trying to read out lines as well, and it's a very tough thing. Oh, um, circling back, like you you also did like other you also were able to do uh commentary for other sports leagues, right? Um, I. I remember you did basketball among others. Like, uh, can you tell us more like about how your experience was back then? Yeah, so I started doing basketball commentary in 2018 for the PCCL. So that one year, um, it was in the Inares uh, Sports Arena, sa ano, uh, Shaw Boulevard. Uh, that mm-hmm. was my first taste of, of basketball commentary. I came in with zero knowledge of how to call a game. And I always thought that, you know, having been a broadcaster, having done radio and bits of TV here and there over the years, it, it, it would be no different just sitting there and slapping on a headset and then just calling the game, diba? But in this, so different talaga. Like, the hubris of 2018 me <laughs> really came to bite me in the ass because I went in there um, thinking of putting myself over. Like I was just trying to channel Mauro Ronaldo going Mamma Mia like you know in a in a basketball game, which in mm-hmm. retrospect was really stupid. Um so it, it took a while for me to really learn what uh what I needed to learn before I sat down and was able to call a game properly. So I was able to uh be a commentator for NBL, the uh as a new Philippine equivalent of the NBL, which um I was really fortunate to be their very first ever commentator for their debut game. And that, so I did that for a couple of years. And then most recently, I did work for Phil Basket, which is the uh, professional league founded by Jai Reyes, the former Ateneo Blue Eagle. So that, that was a lot of fun as well. And, um, you know, being a basketball commentator, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, but it's also one of, one of those gigs that I really learned to depend on my partner because... I, I don't have professional playing experience like in terms of organized basketball. The further furthest I ever got was yung mga intrams or yung mga, you know, tournament among colleges in in the university. Uh, but I, I don't have the credibility to say na, oh, the coach is calling uh, a horns play or whatever, or look at that flare screen or whatever. I, I, I don't have that credibility. So that's something I picked up na kailangan ko talaga yung credibility ng analyst ko, which... Uh, got flipped on its head when I did join WWE because then I found myself being that analyst, being that person who came from the industry heading into the broadcast booth. Mm. Now, like, um, you've been doing like radio for a good, what, 10 years on 10, 12 12, years, 12 years now on and off. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like, yeah, the first time we, the first time we, um, like the proper interaction we had with each other, I mean, on top of the test recording and all that, our test stuff during the auditions, um was your show uh the morning after mm-hmm. and i remember this because i remember this very much because our first this was our this was our first time that we that we were on the same show together and you did the wrestling hour there right okay <laughs> like like how did like how did that how did you that uh, sorry how did you get away with playing wwe music on on uh city radio <laughs> Oh, that that's uh 
I, you know what? I totally forgot that there was someone else in the booth with me. lang. I didn't know that you were actually there for that because uh, my memory of that day was that I had the booth all to myself and I had carte blanche to do whatever. But the real story is that yeah, um, I, I don't remember much about that day, only that I did get to play some wrestling themes, um, among them Triple H's theme. Uh, I, I remember asking for permission uh, by boss Luigi Vera, who owns Mellow 94.7. Mm-hmm. And at the time, uh, they were still playing pop music. And then, you know, it was the weekends. I figured, ah, it's the weekends. And it's the morning pa on the weekends. Nobody cares what goes on in the weekends. Like, I don't think anybody of consequence actually listens and would care if, like, uh, yung normal Sunday music would be replaced by, like, blaring wrestling themes on the air, right? So I was like, hey, um, you know, uh, I, wa- I want to build my, per- my, my persona as the wrestling fan. Which at the time, I wasn't really consciously doing it. I, I was just like, I wanted to indulge my own fandom. So, can I play something for like the wrestling fans? But I'm just one hour to, you know, to pop them and to uh, let them know that there's also a fellow wrestling fan on the radio. And he was like, yeah, sure, go ahead. You know, it was Sunday, 9 to 10 a.m., right? Who cares? So, <laughs> uh, I, I put together a playlist. I don't even remember if like I had submitted each file talaga for them to approve. Because mm-hmm. some of them had like uh, cuss words in it, right? Some of these these songs. But then I remember I was sitting there in uh, like the captain's chair in the spinner's booth and playing this music. And that was one of my first real experiences of, and I'm going to say this with air quotes, power on the air. Na parang ramdam mo, you could do anything. Because mm-hmm. like there I was indulging my wrestling fan self and being able to play this stuff on the radio. So... Uh, it, it's coming back to me in bits and pieces Again, not 100% So thank you for bringing that up Because um, it, it seems like such a lifetime ago Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like a core memory for me Like, I, I mean, the whole the whole Mellow experience was a core memory for me, to be honest Yeah, it was so, yeah, I was like um, Especially that that moment I think because you did it twice uh, You did two days, I remember If I remember um, The first day, I think nobody was there But there were there were a few of us on the Sunday and um, and that's it happened to be my birthday at that time. Fun fact. Oh wow! <laughs> what a treat! Yeah, See, I I didn't know this thing. I I I don't even remember who else was there. Alam ko lang if you guys were there, and I don't know if your listeners here in Kfabe Cafe or if your co-hosts know that you were a student DJ uh, on the radio for several years, but. Um, the reason why you guys were there was probably because my partner at the time was on leave. Yeah, no, I remember. I did not meet. I didn't get to meet Max. Uh, maybe for like some time, a few, some time afterwards. So she was. Um. So yeah, you had the booth to yourself. You were calling on people to. You were inviting people over to to come with uh, to train and stuff. That's why that's. That's how I remember the invite. <laughs> no, it's it's years ago, and um, also oh, what I remember, pieces, yeah. what what I remember from that, like you know, calling the the SJs or the student DJs over was yeah. that was my way of getting to know you guys, uh, because I did have a crush on someone at the time <laughs> from the student DJs, and you know, me being young and basically the same age as you guys, about we yeah. were uh, late teens, early twenties. I was also in college at the time, so it wasn't yeah. like. I, I was like this creepy uh, employee <laughs> preying on the interns or whatever. I was basically your guys' age and right, right in the same level, diba. Right? I just happened to be employed. Uh, but, you know, I, I, but it was my way of seeing if she would take up one of those <laughs> slots and, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have the chance to interact with her. But, you know, uh, you know th- th- parang, it, this makes me sound old, but looking back on it, sobrang follies of youth. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, we did a lot of crazy stuff back in the uh, when we were all younger. <laughs> since you're like, since we're like going back to, you were also a student DJ yourself. I mean, we all had that story. Um, I remember a bunch of us have the, have our stories on how we and how we all started in um in in school of jocks. Um, what's your story? Did I never tell you guys uh, how I got into uh, school of jocks? I I may not remember this. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, um, not that I'm quizzing you, uh, but it's it just made me wonder if I ever actually told you guys how I got in. So, um, for for context, Jag and I, for the listeners, Jag and I met uh over a decade ago in Mellow ninety four seven at the School of Jocks, which is uh the student DJ program, and I remember uh wanting to be in radio as early as high school, palang. Like I wanted to be part of Campus Radio ninety seven point one, which was GMA's pop station before it reformatted into Barangay LS as we know it today. It was basically Magic eighty nine point nine before Magic was Magic. Um, so I I wanted to do that, but then they reformatted in two thousand seven. So well, that, that that wasn't gonna happen. And then when I got into college, I wanted to apply for Magic, and that didn't happen either. Uh. Um, the piece of feedback I got that still sticks with me to this day came from CJ the DJ who told me na, uh, you're too raw, you're not yet ready. Which is so funny because fast forward to today, he's now my station manager at Play FM. And uh, that was one of the things that I brought up like when we reconnected all these years later. Anyway, so I didn't get into magic. So I, uh, I, I was hanging out at the Org Tambayan, uh, my Org Tambayan in UP, shout out to Isaac. And then uh, one of the org mates walks up to me, and she's this really pretty girl. Uh, her name is Julia. And she walks up to me and says, Stancy, I have an offer you cannot refuse. And I look at her, and you know, in a very cheeky way, I was like, oh, what? Are you going to ask me out on a date? Because I'm not going to turn that down. Yeah. And then she was like, no, silly. I got you a tryout for, for a radio station. And I was like, hey, that, that's the next best thing. I, I'm, I'm totally down. Because <laughs> she was also a student DJ at, at the time. So, you know, uh, just me being cheeky and, and, and whatever, uh, I, I took her up on it. I went to the station and uh, at the time, the student DJ program was still very new. So, wala pa siyang formal audition process. It really just was, oh, friend mo si ganyan? Sige, bring them in. Oh, you think your friend sounds cool when they speak in English or like, like they have a very hot voice? Yeah, bring them in. So, it was really that very informal, very shotgun. So they sat me in a booth much like this, had me record for like three minutes. And then like five, ten minutes later, you know, they were like, hey, okay, welcome to the program. So that was really my origin story. Like that's how I got into radio for real, for real. Mm. Yeah, because like, I mean, our audition process was a, lot, was a whole lot different afterwards. Like we, yes. were, we were doing, we had to line up, we had to fight, we had to... Uh, we had to go into like stage different stages. I remember it's like a recording stage, uh, interview stage. Um, I and it's just uh, I don't know. It was. It was, I feel like it was. I think you guys were like taking pages from from other DJ. Programs. Yeah, we were totally ripping <laughs> Magic's uh, junior job <laughs> auditions because I went through that process myself, and I was pretty impressed at how they really use that to vet people. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, um, if we want to establish ourselves as to be as legit as the other student DJ programs, we have to get on their level. And I really fought hard, despite me being some rookie weekend DJ absorb lang. I really fought hard to legitimize the student DJ program. Because I was like, you have to legitimize it because that's where I came from. Like, you want to make sure that you have homegrown talent that you can uh, really be proud of, right? So, 
the process that you guys went through uh, was a result of us really trying to legitimize what we were doing. Mm-hmm. Now, like being uh, from from then, that that really landed you like a lot of gigs afterwards, right? Like you were absorbed in the you were absorbed into mellow. I remember a few months afterwards, right? No, over a year. Over uh, no wait, so who, I, I was a student DJ for over a year. I remember there was another one that was absorbed within months, but maybe I, I mean, or maybe I may have <laughs> mistake. I, I've gotten the dates. No, it's probably Cage. You're probably thinking of Cage because like, after uh, him, nobody else was really absorbed. Nang ganon kabilis, like everyone else took years, uh, uh, yeah. a year minimum, which was you know, ako na. Oh no, I remember. Uh, yeah, I remember you said that Cage hazed you a bit by uh, because he was like. Um, you guys were pretty much on the same. Uh, I wouldn't say bad, but uh, but he he was hosting, and then he and then you were on his uh show, and then he just like left you there for a while. Yeah. Uh. So like one of the memorable hazing moments I had, uh, which I've also shared on on my own podcast on deck, uh, was uh this one time where si Cage, he was a former weekend DJ at Mellow, and Chris, who is one of the longtime vets over at Mellow, uh, they were. At the station, and they were dressed in barongs and slacks. So they they were clearly going to some wedding or some event, right? And I showed up. You know, I just wanted to train on a Sunday, just put in those extra hours and and board and get that airtime. And after about an hour of sitting in with Cage, both he and uh, and Chris got up and they were like, "Oh, sige, kaya mo na, de ba? Magisa ka na, bala ka na, malaki ka na." Eh. And I was like, "What the fuck? Like, uh, am I allowed to curse?" You're allowed to curse. Don't okay, worry. I was like. Oh, what the fuck? Uh, ano ko, di ba? Uh, walang KBP ID and whatever. And at the time, I was still like this goody two shoes, talaga. And they were like, yeah, no, it's fine. It's a Sunday. Who cares? But that's that's how I learned. Huh? You know, it's a weekend. No one, no one gives a shit. Yeah. So they they went to their event, and then I had the next two or three hours all to myself. And I was like, wow, this is my playground now. I am like, I am the king of the airwaves, uh, or so twenty year old me thought. And then I was doing shit like extroing songs and sending them out to my crush at the time, really being uh, pa-cute and papogi on air, trying out all these tips and tricks that I was learning from the veteran DJs at Mellow. And looking back, 20-year-old me thought that I was the shit talaga. But, you know, if I, if I could hear those recordings today, I'd be like, no, I was the shits. <laughs> I was really, really bad. I mean, yeah, like, I don't know. You ever, like, I guess it's really true that um, whenever you look into your old content, you look at your past, and then you just you can't help but cringe. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, super cringeworthy. Um, it doesn't help that I actually have files of that show because I took <laughs> the recording of me sending the th- this one song out to the girl that I liked at the time, only for me to find out that the song I'd sent out to that girl was yung theme song niya with her ex with whom she just broke up. Oh my just god! Like weeks or months prior, so imagine uh, the look of horror on my face when I uh, sent the—I I don't remember kung CD or USB or whatever. Yeah. Oh man. Oh. Okay. So now, like, fast forward like a few years later, you start—you uh, were starting out uh, what was then called the Smart Vila's Filipino Podcast. Um, how? Um, what? What was the story behind? Like, what made you decide to start to go into podcasting? Um, so this was in 2014 when we started the podcast. But even before that, 2012 palang, uh, both my dad and Ro Moran uh, were telling me to start a podcast already. So my dad, um, 
had heard about podcasting because my dad is self-employed, so he has you know um, a lot of time on his hands. Um, he'd heard about podcasting. He's like, oh, you know, maybe this could be the way of the future. Maybe this could be something you'll get into. Um, and I was like, eh, you know, tamad didn't have the equipment like this. This booth right now, this mic, this uh, soundboard. <laughs> I I didn't have all of this uh, back in the day. Uh, so I was like, how the fuck am I gonna do a podcast? At the same time, uh, C. Rowe had just left law school at the time. So he was also telling me, maybe we should, you know, start doing a podcast. Because as early as 2012, 2011, we were already talking about wrestling regularly. We were each other's wrestling friends. Na, well, wala kami bang kausap about wrestling. So we would like dissect storylines. And whenever something would happen that we would get all upset about because we were so emotionally invested, we would only have each other to talk to about it, diba? So, you know, for about a couple of years, these two guys both wanted me to start a podcast. And I was, I was just like, with what equipment? Like, I would think of the practicality of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Fast forward to early 2014. Uh, th- this also involves a girl because I broke up with my ex at the time. And then that week, I went to watch Joshi Jam, which mm-hmm. many people uh, refer to as a turning point in the Philippine wrestling scene because it was basically the first event of what would then become PWR. So I went to Joshi Jam with Ro. Uh, and you know we saw Tajiri there, we saw Shuri, Mia Yim, they were uh, Ikemen Jiro, they were all part of that show. And after that, I went to uh, to a nearby bar with some friends, bought a couple of drinks in. I was like, you know what? I'm beginning to feel bad about my ex. I'm gonna record the podcast. So I called the pro. I was like, Tara, let's go record that podcast. He was still in the area, so I picked him up. We went to Mellow, and we crashed the booth. And we recorded what would become the pilot episode of the uh, uh, the then Smart Gilas Pilipinas podcast, which we never released, and for good reason, because it was so bad. Uh, <laughs> but you know, we were trying to figure out our way around it, and we were like, okay, it's bad, but there's something here. Like naturally, as friends, we we had chemistry. We you know we could talk to one another. I was a broadcaster now by that point, so I knew my way around the mic. I knew how to edit because I'm a broadcom major, deba. Right? So I I knew how to uh, do the prod side of it all. So I scheduled a meeting with Boss Luigi of Mellow, and I said, Boss, uh, baka no, baka you're you're uh, open to the idea of letting me record a podcast inside the Mellow booth. And whatever money we'll make, I'll give you a split of the profits. You know, stupid me in 2014 thought that this niche wrestling podcast in the Philippines would have any sponsorship money to earn. <laughs> and Boss Luigi probably, you know, already knew the answer to that. Sabi niya, oh, no, it's okay. You don't need to, I uh, know, you don't need to pay me anything. Because he probably knew we weren't going to make any money. <laughs> but he was like, you can use the booth. And he told me, whatever, you, you can pay me back through the skills you learn by applying this stuff practically into your own show, into your own podcast. Which, true enough, it was a bet that paid off for him. Because there were times when they needed extra help on the production side. And I filled in because of the stuff I learned to do while editing the podcast. Mm-hmm. So for the first three years of the podcast's life, we were doing it at the radio station talaga. Like, we were inviting guests to join us and cram ourselves into that tiny production booth, which still exists, by the way. I remember that booth. <laughs> Very well, diba? That, yeah. that familiar musty scent. Uh, oh. it's, it still exists. It's still in one piece. But yeah, that was our home, our home base for the first three years of the podcast. And without Mello, without Boss Luigi's go-ahead, because imagine, he let, let us use the space, the internet, the electricity, the equipment, all for free. 
And that's really what laid the foundation for what is now known as the Wrestling Wrestling Podcast. Mm-hmm. So, um, like, throughout your journey, this is like, so it's like what? It's been a good eight years now, if, I, if my math is correct, uh, podcasting. Like, what are the, like, what are the hardest lessons that you've learned throughout, uh, all throughout? Um, the first is probably being DIY. Like, lalo na, uh, before we signed with Podcast Network Asia, before we had all this help with the sales and the marketing and the production side, you know, uh, we were really doing it ourselves. It was really the bootstrap mentality of, you know, rolling up our sleeves and doing things our own way. If we wanted to make a little bit of change, we had to figure out our own way to, you know, to, to do that, which we did the money. We did make a little bit of money uh, throughout those first couple of years of the, of the podcast. Uh, so there's that. Like, we really had to learn how to adapt. And you know, the skills that I learned all the way back in 2014, 2015, putting audio files together, I still use it today because there are times when I have to be the one doing the editing. When, for example, we release the holiday episodes pag Christmas and New Year, and PNA is already on holiday break. So, who will edit that? Eddie, I. So, that's something that I learned from that challenge. There's also the issue of adapting and being flexible. Um, is something we learned from the challenge of, you know, having uh, personnel changes over the years, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't want to uh, go into detail, uh, but, you know, it, it's obvious naman that we've had personnel changes over the years. And it's a challenge because, of uh hosting a show requires that you guys have chemistry with one another. And, uh, you know, we really had to be able to figure out how we were going to work on our dynamics as a team, as hosts, right? Um, and even adapting when the pandemic hit. Because uh, for five plus years leading up to COVID, we were recording in person. Whether mm-hmm. it was at home, whether it was uh, at the studio, um, it was always in person. So now, we na master na namin yung timing, namin, the, the way that we uh, pass the baton during the live streams. But that all would not have happened if the COVID-19 pandemic didn't wreak havoc on the world. So, yun, uh, adapt, um, those are some of the challenges. And I guess to connect to that, like how we were able to adapt, it's kind of hard to imagine ourselves actually going back to the old setup of all being in the same room and recording all together. I mean, we did that nung nag eighth anniversary kami last April, but we haven't really done it since. And parang na-establish na rin yung routine eh. Uh, with our viewers na, oh, Thursday, 7 p.m., we're going we're gonna to be online because they're going to be online. So it's kind of hard not to stray away from uh, the, you know, what's worked in spite of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. There's always, I guess, like, because um, the challenge right now for, for a lot of us, like, because um, for those that are starting out podcasting, uh, it's the consistency. Like, how can you follow, how will you follow up with this, uh, with the, after this episode? How do you make it better? How can you improve on it? And also, I guess like, um, like I guess like an underlying challenge talaga is ane yung uh especially consistency and schedule always have like whether you're live or you're dropping an episode, it always has to come out. It's best to come out at this day or um or you record or you go live on this day because it's very uh because people are it becomes a habit for people, right? Yeah. Um, now, like um. Do you think like because of the, your 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 personal time? Do you think like you've been like you feel like you're able to control your your own schedule to be able to do to turn out that consistency? 
Um, first off, I'm not gonna classify you guys as starting out in podcasting anymore because Cafe Cafe predates the pandemic. Yeah. So you have to give yourselves a little bit of credit there. Nah, you know, you're not starting out anymore at this point. This is more uh, but, as a twi- sorry, this is more of a be as a Twitch streamer actually. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, but but I think when it comes to creating content, you're right. You said it, Nat. You said it yourself that consistency is key, and um, you also brought up how. We all have our habits, diba? Which, you know, uh, mga tao, we're creatures of habit naman talaga eh. mm-hmm. um, Like, this is why, diba, we have the habit of, let's say, uh, watching our favorite teleseries, diba, at this certain time. Like, there's a reason why Ang Probinsyano lasted as long as it did. Because we are creatures of habit. And it, it, it's something we weirdly were able to carry over into our podcasting. Na, you know, Thursdays at 7pm, boom, laging ready na yung mga tao. Um, it didn't used to be like that. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. People just started tuning in Thursdays at 7. And we were like, okay, this schedule works for us. And I don't know if you know this, but Thursday's like the best day because that's right after all of the weekly shows have done, like ha- have done airing. Like we don't really count SmackDown anymore because it's on the weekends. And like nobody really wants to tune into like a live stream on the weekends. But in Thursday, it's like right before Friday, Tapos ning Raw, tapos ning NXT, tapos ning Dynamite. Definitely, you've had a few days to process whatever pay-per-view or premium live event took place over the weekend. Kaya for us, Thursday was really the best day. But in terms of like being able to juggle everything, I'm pretty lucky that I don't have an office job or a corporate job that keeps me glued to a 9 to 5 schedule, uh, especially over the last uh, year and few months. But uh, through 2021, I kind of did. And it was so hard. I was like, damn, now I get the struggle of everyone else with a full-time job, like keeping up with all the content, watching Raw, SmackDown and all that, like 14 to 17 hours of content every week. That's a lot. Mm, That's a lot. Yeah. Diba? So now, uh, I appreciate the flexibility of my schedule. And I just make sure to allocate time each day. And yung Thursdays, like that's my sacred day. I try to keep that free talaga because there's so much that goes on between Dynamite, dati NXT, sabay pa yan, di ba? Mm-hmm. And then putting the show together, finding the images for social media, being able to promote the stream, and then doing sound check and actually doing the stream. Um, it, it also doesn't help that as a reality TV fan, Survivor and The Amazing Race also air on Thursday. So I'm like, I try to catch those then before I go jump on the live stream because of FOMO. But that's more of a me problem than, you know, it is an everyone else problem. Mm-hmm. But you see the, the picture I'm trying to paint here. Now, it's really about just my own way of juggling everything and managing my time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's, I think that's like one thing people aspire uh really wish hope for talaga it's it's just that time for everything especially with so much content talaga that's so much to absorb and there's so little time even like if it's a gaming diba? like you, you have i can't finish yakuza because it's like a hundred hours to finish to complete and stuff yeah so, i just got pokemon violet like on the day of release but i'm barely an eighth of the way through diba? and uh, you know persona 5 rails also on the switch as well that's another I think it's around 30 to 40 hours, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> so there's yeah, a lot I, I don't do. understand how people with full-time jobs and spouses can actually finish the game like less than a month after its release. Ay. But you know, to each their own, because we can prioritize. Oh, exactly. <laughs> like, we have our own priorities. Naman talaga. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm glad that people understand it. Naman eh. um, whenever I tell them, I can't be able to do this because I have like, no, it's okay, it's okay. Good on. Um, now, like... Um, from that, uh, from 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 Smargilas to Wrestling Wrestling Podcast in between, 
you were you also dabbled in the local wrestling scene, didn't it? Like the we we saw the um from yeah from from starting out as uh Mr. C doing um doing commentary all the way to becoming general manager. Um, I think well one of your one of the best one of the high uh, the peak of your wrestling career in that moment would have to be talagang ano yung MSG and um one thing I one thing I admire about it is how I'm gonna say this this is like Muhammad Hassan heat <laughs> in a sense. Um, so yeah, tell you, me more. Tell me why you thought it was Muhammad Hassan heat. Uh, okay. You know, like you know, the theory about Muhammad Hassan is that he's he's very uh he he picks on the audience. He insults uh he insults nor uh the he insults American culture and uh but but the way he does it kind of makes sense. Like you like you know like um like the the way the way he channels that anger um and the way he targets uh he targets people and culture in in his promos while also um antagonizing americans for uh for basically what's happening in the middle east he um people like there there was a there would be a time where you want to stop and pause and say wait a second <laughs> and i think that's like i think like one of my one of the things is that you were channeled like um you would channel your past <laughs> like your your past aggressions uh being i i, I mean you did meant like a while back you were you would mention parts of being bullied right um back in back in school and you i remember like you would do that uh, you would do a promo where you would hit uh you would target someone from from your uh uh from your past bully and also target the other people for uh for being like that bully and it made me stop like it, there there was that moment where i paused to think wait a second he's driving a point he's making a good point there <laughs> like how do you feel like how do you feel that uh, as that kind of heel where like it makes you it makes you a think it makes you think stop and think for a moment well first off i want to say thank you for getting the point and you know uh being able to I guess dissect by yourself the the idea of the character and what I was trying to do, mm-hmm. and truthfully, I wasn't actively channeling Muhammad Hassan. In fact, I was channeling Daniel Bryan because Daniel mm-hmm. Bryan is my favorite living wrestler. Oh yeah. And um, in 2018, 2019, when he was the Planet's Champion, he turned heel, deba. Right? Yeah. And he was also like Hassan in the way that his message was ultimately correct, like protect the environment. Be anti-consumerist, be anti-capitalist, but just the way he went about it was he was such a dick about it. Yeah. <laughs> he was such a dick, but uh, at, at the end of the day, you pause and think and you're like, but he has a point. He's just going about it in the worst way. So that was the philosophy I tried to bring to the Mr. C character because I turned heel and MSG with me. We turned heel right around the same time that Daniel Bryan did. I'm not sure if you remember that. So I was kind of really observing what Brian was doing on SmackDown Live and trying to take bits and pieces of it and then making it my own. So that's when I started the channel, my own my own history of having been bullied, my history of being frustrated with the microaggressions towards Chinese Filipinos. And it, it's pretty interesting. Na it, well, for one thing, I loved how people would instantly boo. And then I would instant, I I would immediately come back and say, "Nasi, the way you're reacting proves my point. I am correct. 
and you guys are the assholes. So um, sobrang sobrang saya niya. Uh, it it was re- literally my therapy uh, for a, bu- a bunch of that time. Very therapeutic experience talaga being that type of heel, and it was a, a great way to really channel all of the creativity that I had up top that I never got to prior to Mr. C uh, flipping over to the dark side. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a. I, I, I honestly, that's like uh, I gotta say, it's one of my favorite heel works. Talaga. I always love it when a when a when a when any villain, for that matter, kind of makes you stop and think for a moment and say, "But he like, but he's doing a good thing." At the, he's, he, here's he has, the thing, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Every villain believes that they're the hero of their own story. Mm-hmm. Diba? Uh, that that's what makes the most successful villains. Every villain believes that they are genuinely the hero. Like those are the most uh, ano talaga, the, the most threatening villains because they can't see things any other way. And so uh, when when I was doing uh, that stuff with MSG, parang the the goal in terms of wrestling was to make it in our image and likeness. And that was by taking all the gold, but That's why MSG All Belts came to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even that was just organic. Like, I never had visions of, you know, uh, MSG doing an undisputed era or doing an evolution where everybody had championships. I just wanted all of us to look good. I just wanted all <laughs> of us to, like, wear, you know, nice clothes in the ring or in the promo videos that we ended up shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the messaging of the, of the MSG... Uh, of the group and for me as a character um i i just wanted to do something different because the local scene um bato bato sa langit ang tamaan wag magalit but a lot of heels in the local scene think that to be an effective heel you just have to have carte blanche and say whatever the fuck you want hmm. and a lot of people like to think of it as open mic night where they'll go up there grab the mic and they'll just make people laugh mm-hmm. right um um, you don't even have to single out the promotion. Like um, across the different promotions we've had in the local scene, there are heels across all the companies where their idea of heel work is to uh, to just say whatever they want, but there's not a, lo- not a lot of thought that goes into it. So this is not to take shots at them, uh, not to attack them, but it's really just to dissect yung understanding natin of heel work because um, sometimes pag nangookray ka ng tao, we as audience members actually think of it as funny because of how we're conditioned to think about yung pangookray. Look at yung humor ni Vice Ganda. Or look at the humor of yung mga gay comedians at the gay comedy bars, di ba? What's their brand of humor? Di ba pangookray? So pag inookray ka, pag inookray ka, di ba, your instant reaction is like, ah, o nga, nakakatawa, gago to, ah. di ba? But not na parang, it, it doesn't evoke that visceral reaction of, I, wanna, I want to see this guy get beaten up. Or mm-hmm. I want to see this guy get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. So that's what I wanted to change when I turned heel. Now I didn't want anyone to buy our merch. I didn't want anyone to come up to me after the show and say, "Hey, man, great heel work." Because it breaks the ano, it breaks the illusion, right? It it mm-hmm. breaks the character. I I want like I loved it when the kids cried after I slapped Jemerlin. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that was one of my favorite moments in my in my time as a as a manager. Because it struck such a visceral and genuine reaction from the kids. Because the kids as audience members, very pure pa yung view nila, eh, diba? Of life, parang they're not yet smartened up to the business for one. So you know when when they saw someone so beloved and then a girl at that gets slapped by a big six foot guy. Well, it's such a despicable thing. Like they really wanted to uh, kick my shins when they got up uh, when they went up to me after the shows. So, um, 
but I, I wanted to be the type of film that people really wanted to see get put in its place because as a person who went through bullying, that's what I wanted to see out of my bullies. I wanted to see them get punished. I wanted to see them get humiliated. I wanted to see them be forced to like apologize for you know the shit that they did. And that's what I was channeling talaga. Mm-hmm. Move, like from then on, like uh, now that the, now that um, there's been a a big shift in Philippine wrestling in the past within the past couple of years, right? Do you think there's still a place for a Mr. C in the post-pandemic era? Um, what do you mean by that question? Like, is there a place for the type of character I played, or is there a place for me? Mm, I I was gonna say with you, but I also kind of uh actually yeah more on you. Do you think like you'll ever return to uh you'll ever return to local promotions anytime soon? Well, I love my job with the WWE. Like, um, this this sounds so weird to say, but the WWE is technically my home promotion. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. right? No, no, I, it's a good point there. I mean, it you're you're technically working for a uh for a wrestling promote. You're you are working for a wrestling promotion. You're 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 a broadcaster. Uh, you're a broadcaster in that fact. I was like, but. Do you like I don't know? Um, for some divine reason, you're you're allowed to go back uh into the uh, to dip into the local scene. Do you think that we could see Mister C anytime soon? I don't know. Um, I I honestly ask myself that same question whenever I attend the MWF shows. You know, to support my friends, the PWOGs and Main Max and Zero and you know, sort of Crystal. Um, I ask myself that same question, and I always uh end up saying that. Uh, but I like. Not stressing myself out every Sunday. Okay. <laughs> I like not having to lug a big bag with my costume in there. I like um, not having to feel like hindi mo in for a certain number of hours because I don't want to puke like right as my music hits. You know, mm. there there are so many things that I didn't realize that I actually enjoyed now that I'm on uh, the opposite side of the arena, so to speak. Um, but I miss it. If if that's what you're trying to get at, but I, I I do miss it. Um, there are times when I fantasize about uh what what I would say in the post pandemic world. I I don't even think we're in the post pandemic world yet. But you get what I'm saying, like in the current climate, no? Yeah. Uh, because like one of the last things I said was so terrible. Like I made fun of the coronavirus because I you know none of us understood what it was at the time when I when I cut that last promo. Mm-hmm. So parang uh, in a way. There's a part of me that wants to redeem myself, and and you know, knowing what we know now, uh, over three years into the pandemic, I would probably say things very differently, but still in a you know in in that biting uh, Mister C way. So I don't know. Um, I get I I miss it, but I also don't. And I think any character, not just me, any character, naman, um, you can probably make it work as long as you're sensitive and aware of all the current sensibilities. Mm-mm. I think that's what makes your your heel work very uh be very effective as well. Like you're like you're being an asshole but not being but not like being an uh, annoying in the sense, right? I mean, I think <laughs> I mean, like, Mr. C was annoying. I I, I, know, I, I mean, was. No, I mean like uh, no no, I mean like because I think like the the sensibilities of being a of of playing a character is that trying not to uh try not to directly offend like you know, like like make like make uh very impractical Holocaust jokes or something in that matter, right? 
Right, but that's not to say na parang na I'm I'm like this perfect person na you know like I I can do no wrong. I I think I did do some things in there that you know looking back I probably wouldn't do again. But mm-hmm. you know at least I didn't um cause like a PR disaster or whatever. Right? Like that's something I'm thankful that I never got to do in my in my career. But uh, I guess to your point about um making sure that the character can still remain a heel given today's sensibilities. Um. I well, for one, I have Robbie Eagles to thank for for the insights that you know. I wish I could apply. I think I, I interacted with Robbie Eagles at the very last show I got to portray that character. Mm-hmm. Um, he he taught me that the best type of heel work is when it's within the bounds of the story and it's within you and yung kaaway mo, yung kalaban mo. Because if you take pot shots at people who aren't part of the story, how is that compelling? They can't mm-hmm. fight back. Right, Mm-mm. so um, I remember uh, Robbie and I. We talked about this one promo that Max Caster cut when about uh, the acclaim. They like to rap to the ring. Yeah, they they took a shot at Simone Biles mm-hmm. because of her backing out from the Olympics because of mental health. Right, and like taking that insight into it, sabi ni Robbie sa akin, Simone Biles can't fight back. She's not part of the story. So why are you taking a shot at her? Mm-hmm. So, like, you can take a shot at the fans because they're part of the story. But wrestling is interactive. Mm-hmm. They're as much a part of the story as you and I, if we, we had a feud, right? Yeah. Uh, let's say you're my Kalaban. Ah, oh, Jag, you're a piece of shit, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, this crowd, uh, you know, they don't know how to appreciate good wrestling, blah, 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 blah. But, but the moment you take it outside of that and you trash someone else who's not part of the story, parang out of bounds na yun, mm-hmm. right? So there, that's something that I... I ended up learning. The second is, I think, to be able to have that sensibility to know certain lines but still play that believable bad guy, it really does require that self-awareness and that understanding na there is a line. Ito yung tama at ito yung mali. So pag alam mo kung ano talaga yung tama, alam mo ano talaga yung mali, you can work your way around that and uh, be able to, you know, be able to frame what it is you want to say. And third, Third, it helps having real-life influences. And I'm going to sound like a dick when I say this, but I think of my dad a lot when I do Mr. C. Mm. Because he's the original Mr. C. Like, yeah. growing up, I've heard, you know, employees, uh, fellow business people, um, you know, say, good morning, Mr. C, to my dad. And my, my counting fear. Because my dad's a big guy then, and he's very intimidating. Like, he's, you know, w- way more intimidating than I'll ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always that hint of fear. But, oh, Mr. C, again. So that, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to be called Mr. C to begin with. But my dad also has, uh, he, he struggles with communicating because he's from that second, genera- uh, second generation of Chinois Now we're not really raised on proper communication, so he has a tough time expressing himself. So he ends up always being gruff. But deep inside that gruffness, there is that good intent. So, do you get where I'm going here? Mm-hmm, nah, yeah. what the Mystery C character is trying to do is to try to change the world for the better in what he thinks is right. It's just that he's going about it in such an abrasive manner that everyone else's feathers get ruffled along the way. Oh God! <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I just love that. I, I just love the, the the depth of your character. Like, um, how how deep your like, how deep can those roots go? Especially now, um. Maybe like just to to wrap things up then like what um like I'm trying to think of my last question all of a sudden um maybe just to wrap things up like you're, you yeah you mentioned about uh being Chinoy and all that uh but I know I know for a fact that um that you've become like somewhat of a fig you've become a figure as well in the Chinoy community like how do you feel about be uh about 
representing your heritage uh in in a climate like uh especially when especially at the times when the climate was tough against uh Chinese regardless of whether they're whether or not they're Filipino like how how um how did you go about that and and fight uh fight back if ever uh first Thank you for the compliment, but I think that's severely overstating like whatever imagined clout I may have. Um, I, I don't look at myself as like a trendsetter, like a, a, a key opinion leader in the community. I'm, I'm just a guy with a mic, man. <laughs> um, I, I just happen to, you know, um, not really give any fucks and turn on my mic and say whatever. And mm-hmm. for some reason, people listen and I am not dead yet. <laughs> so I must be doing something, right? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, to go back to your question, uh, yung Asia, I, I, I get that you're trying to get at the anti-Asian sentiment, which is weird if you take a look at it from our context as Pinoy's, because hey, we're all Asian. Yeah. Like, Asian hate here in this country would be so stupid because we're all Asian, right? Yeah, but, I mean, like, in the sense of, like, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm very well, uh, like, how should I say this? I guess like in the terms of like discrimination, I don't know. Um, in the sense of discrimination, you know, like how people would see Kaita Chinoy and then they would they would do Chinese anti-Chinese sentiments in a set in in one way or the other. They'll, they'll, they'll play a stereotype or they'll you no. Know, um I mean the same goes for like anybody with dark skin, right? So. Yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty happy or I'm not not happy. I'm pretty fortunate that I haven't really experienced a lot of these microaggressions, especially um in the three years of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I think it's a side effect of mostly being at home mm-hmm. and and not really seeing anybody in real life. Uh, but bef- even before COVID, I was already experiencing the microaggressions, even stereotypes like ah, di ba mayaman ka naman? Afford mo yan? Kasi Chinese ka, or di ba Chinese ka? Magdi ka magmath, ikaw na magcalculate ng bill. Stuff like that. Or, wow, I didn't expect na ang galing mo mag-English. Diba Chinese ka? Kasi diba, like yung stereotype ng mga binondo Chinese is that barok-barok sila mag- mag-Chinese. They have that mm-hmm. thick accent, the Atec accent from uh, Maynila sa mga kuko ng liwanag, diba? Yeah. Um, so, I, I already went through that and that was a big impetus for me exploring my identity in the other forms of media that I dabbled into. Uh, but, you know, with, with uh, over the years... Hindi lang naman kasi COVID eh. Like, there's the Pogo mm-hmm. issue, di ba? Mm-hmm. Parang, oh, you know, uh, these mainland Chinese people are taking our jobs. Shit like that. Yeah. Or uh, the West Philippine Sea uh, issue, di ba? Parang, n- nandiyan na siya eh. So, swerte lang ako na I um, didn't really have to be on the receiving end. And I haven't really experienced that. But every time I do find myself in a situation where I have to speak up, I, I would. Um, I'll give you an example. Back when I was working at Wave 89.1, there was a group of college students. This is pre-COVID. Uh, they were there to visit and like, um, I, I guess like see what it's like to be in a radio station. And then uh, they were talking about mga mainland Chinese that they'd seen sa Ortigas. And they were like, Ay, uh, oh, nakita ko nga yung mga chinchong, ngayon, ngayon. Like, man, that was so grating to hear. Like, I really wanted to punch the wall when I heard that. And, like, I didn't just hear that once. I heard that several times when I was walking past these students because they were hanging out at the lobby of the station. So on my way out, like, you know, I was really pissed, but I did a couple of deep breaths, and I composed myself, and I went up to them. I was like, guys, excuse me. You're, you're here to visit, right? And they're like, uh, yes, sir. I'm like, okay, great. You see in that booth, you see the DJ over there? Her name is Debbie. She's what you call a ching chong. <laughs> 
Kasi Debbie is Chinese. Mm-mm. You see me? I'm also a DJ here. I'm also what you call a ching chong. That's not cool. That's not right. You might want to change that. And then, right then and there, nahiya sila. And they were like, they wanted to say sorry, talagang, alam mo parang nagmamakaawa, so please don't kick us out, shit like that. And it's a very Pinoy thing to nagtitiklop ka bigla when you get called out in real life. Kasi when you get called out online, your reaction is to fight back and like go on this endless stream of ad hominems and just debate the person to death. Diba? Mm-hmm. Because you're online, you're in the comfort of your own home. But when you're, in, when you're outside and someone goes up to you and politely and calmly tells you na, hey, uh, you're, not, you're not being funny, you're being rude. Titiklop ka, mahihiya ka eh, di ba? Kasi ikaw yung nang agrabyado and then the other person, hindi pa sila nang agrabyado bilang gante. So, uh, ayun, um, th- that was one of those experiences that I'll never forget na I really felt yung parang these microaggressions. Uh, and, and that's not even with, with COVID. So, you know, I, I've got my own views na I don't even want to get into because it's, <laughs> it's, it's going to take us forever. But I, I, I hope that answers the question of how I navigate because every day uh, when the issue comes up, I do think about how to navigate it today because I could navigate it differently today than I did yesterday. Mm-hmm. I think that's a that's a actually that very much answers this question to be honest. So yeah, thanks for thank you for that. Uh, thank you for those uh, for that stat. <laughs> now um, to wrap things up, I think um, anything anything else you'd like to add or before uh, before we close the show? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, just to go back to one of your questions earlier, is there room for for Mister C in you know in the post lockdown era of the world? I'd like to think that Mr. C exists somewhere in the WWE network where, you know, in the Tagalog commentary, the character does come out. Like, not, not, a, premium, not a premium live event goes by where I don't say, Ginusto mo yan. It's always there. Like, I, I remember when, uh, when we did uh, Survivor Series 2021. That was our very first show. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, one of the stories heading into that uh premium live event was Sasha Banks was the only baby face in the women's SmackDown team. Mm-hmm. And then they all turned on her and left her, uh, left her out to dry, diba? Mm. And that's when I dropped it. I was like, may tatlong salita lang ako para kay Sasha Banks. Ginusto mo yan. Eh, mapangtaksil ka talaga eh. Tinumilat mga tag team partner mo. Wala ka namang kaibigan eh. So, you know, channeling that heel pa rin and blaming the other person for, you know, uh the for for like my own schadenfreude basically <laughs> so so yun um i i think the mr c character exists there and like when carlo pamintuan asks me naman about like my insights on whatever match or whatever story we're, we're calling in the ring i do draw from the kayfabe story of mr c and my real life experience as a wrestling fan na very forest gump yung story ko in philippine wrestling where i've had the pleasure of interacting with so many uh, wrestlers, stars from different promotions who either I cross paths with them here or abroad. And I've just been in such a lucky position that I'm able to take that with me to my work on the WWE Network and hopefully soon to Disney Plus when they add Tagalog audio to uh, Survivor Series <laughs> War Games. I've been really wanting to listen to that. And I was so mad yesterday that, that, that it bugged out. 
<laughs> hey, I'm I'm really sorry. You know, I I just want to say on the record, nah, I I have nothing to do with it. I of don't course. work for Disney Plus, so I'm really sorry that uh it it really bogged down everybody's Survivor Series experience. And I I just hope it gets fixed sooner than later because if they're like you, Jag, if they have your EQ, I'd like to think that waiting for the Tagalog audio would be worth it because but uh it it's the best performance that Carla and I have put out there. I really yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing it. To be honest, like. Um, actually, I was like on the live event. I was really doing it. Even the I don't know why, but um, this is not a, this beyond. I think there's a technical thing. WWE Network. I couldn't find the Tagalog on on that app as well. Maybe maybe it's my maybe it's my app or maybe it's something else. <laughs> I'll probably look into that next time. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll we'll check within the you know, within the week. Kung ma, ma- upload na nila yon. Uh, normally yeah. they get that fixed uh, within within the week. But yeah, man. Um, just uh, I I'm just so excited for people to to catch us regularly when we do the Tagalog commentary because um you know. Na- Hindi sa pagbubuhat ng bangku namin ha, but like there's a lot of love that goes into it because both mm-hmm. Carla and I are longtime wrestling fans and it's it really is a dream job for the two of us as broadcasters and as wrestling fans to merge these two things together and to be able to make that experience so uniquely Filipino without being too campy. Kasi, di ba, um, uh, a lot of people, there's that stereotype for them na, ah, dinab sa Filipino, baduyan, cornyan, pangit, <laughs> di ba? Because they're, Let's be honest here, there are some crappy dubs out there. Mm-mm. Meron talaga. The stereotype would not exist if that weren't true. But I'm also fortunate to be part of this wave, this batch, where yung, yung pag-localize ng mainstream media, tinataasan na natin yung standards. And we're really trying to make it as best as we can for uh, the international audience to show that Tagalog, Filipino, you know, our language is on par with Spanish, with French, with Italian, and that we have great performers across the board. Look at the Encanto soundtrack that was just released in Tagalog. I don't know if you've heard it, uh, but the the dubbing director for that one is one of my mentors in voice acting, uh, Mm -hmm. Derek Rudolph Baldonado. And it's just grade A across the board in terms of translations, delivery, the acting, even the vocal quality talaga sinasakto nila with the original voice cast. So that's kind of something that we're also trying to apply to WWE. Now we're really stepping up uh, our game such that when we make these references to local stuff, they're either very current or yung tipong something that you can get with talaga. Mm -hmm. Now, um, if I may ask, do you see yourself like, do you think that the Filipino broadcast team would have a spot live at WrestleMania anytime soon? Man, if I had one peso for every time I've been asked that question, I I would probably be 200 pesos richer. Really? <laughs> that, that many? But but yeah, you know, I, I've been asked that question so many times. And uh, every time I get asked that, ang sinasabi ko is keep manifesting that. Keep putting that energy out there because Carla and I need it. I'd, I'd love for it to happen. You know, if, if uh, you know, the wrestling gods were to will it and Carlo and I were flown to the SoFi Stadium for WrestleMania 39, my God, that would be every, every Filipino fan would probably be uh, pardon the term, but like jizzing in excitement at <laughs> the idea of a Filipino broadcast table. Yeah, I mean, I like I guess like because that question stems from you know uh, seeing seeing all the other nationalities uh, have 
some form of spot, if not near the arena, at least within a few seats away from the action and still be able to call the action, that's still an achievement on its own. Man, right? I want to party with Meng Ai and Sean Deng. Corey Graves <laughs> says, nah, they're such party animals. Right? I want to party with them. <laughs> I feel like it's going to be a, it's going to be one hell of a party if that happens. <laughs> yeah, right? uh, shots at the bar from the Chinese commentators. Sheesh, uh, th- that would be great. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, um, I think we're already out of time now. So I, I really want to thank you so much, Stan, for doing this. Uh, of course, it's the first time we've we've done this. Uh, it's the first time we've we've done broadcast together in like years in some in some form. And then, yeah, it's it's also a pleasure to have you on the first time for for KFAB Cafe. And I I, lo- I hope to have you back back again anytime uh, sometime soon, hopefully. <laughs> Jag, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that you've improved leaps and bounds since that very first broadcast uh, all those years ago. Shempre, dapat lang, diba? Uh, we all strive to be better today than we were yesterday. And you know, I just want to thank you and Linus and Ant and Frankie and everyone else involved with Kayfabe Cafe. Is Martin part of the crew? Uh, yes and no. He's just like, he's a friend. <laughs> I, I will half thank Martin then if, <laughs> if he's only half part of the crew. But you know, thank you guys for... Uh, for what you guys do for the scene, you know, it's great that there are more wrestling podcasts now. Obviously, I was such a gatekeeper back then, and there are a lot of things I said and did that I regret now. But, you know, um, in retrospect, I'm just so happy that uh, there are other wrestling podcasts out there other than ours. It's nice to know that yeah. um, I guess we indirectly paved the way for everyone <laughs> else to do their thing, which is which is good because, you know, uh, more voices out there means more opinions. Uh, mm-hmm. Hopefully the correct types of opinions, naman, na, you know, we're not spouting anti-Semitism or whatever. Hopefully I not that. <laughs> but, you Definitely. know, we, we don't need more uh, Kyries and Kanye's out there. But, uh, you know, it, I, I just want to say, say thanks for letting me get to tell these stories because... Um, I, I hold back on sharing these stories on our own podcast for fear of coming across as oh, sobran laki ng ulo, just always talking about himself or whatever. And uh, truth be told, kating katere na ako to share some of these stories which I haven't really told before. So I really appreciate uh, you know getting this chance to catch up with you and being able to share these with your listeners. Thank you so much, Stan, and very much thank you for everything that you contributed to the. Well, to the Philippine, uh, to the Philippine wrestling scene, to the Philippine wrestling fans, in so, in every way of shape and form, and really hoping forward to for more years, decades, even for uh, in this career of yours. <laughs> yeah, well, let's start with putting the Filipino broadcast table act up at an actual WrestleMania. Yes, let's manifest that for reals. Come on, I really want to see that. I would like to see you show up on on live WrestleMania with the suit and tie, along with Carlo. Doing just speaking Tagalog for for people to get confused for for a few seconds. <laughs> yeah, be- best believe I'm gonna be whipping out a custom suit for that occasion. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Now, with that being said, thank you so much, Stan, and for everyone, thank you so much. Uh, be sure to also follow uh, Wrestling Wrestling Podcast, um, and of course, first thing in the morning is on 99.5 RT. You can catch Stan there as well. And with that being said, this has been Jag. You can follow me on my socials at Jaggies. Stan over there is underscore Stan C on all his socials. And I'll catch you in the next one. Bye for now. That was the Kayfabe Cafe Podcast. A wrestling podcast hosted by Kayfabe Cafe. Produced by Ant and Linus. With audio editing by Linus and album art by Ant. You can check out more of Kayfabe Cafe by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as kayfabecafeph.weebly.com. 
Don't forget to join our growing community on Discord and we'll see you in the next episode.